Hey humans, I really love this next episode, but as in the title of the show, this episode has a few human errors. Just to refresh everyone's memory, I do the whole Being Human podcast purely for my own joy. Sorry listeners, I am so grateful for you for joining me in this experience, but you're not my main focus. I started being human on my MacBook and have since bought microphones, but I still am struggling with exactly how to get them used properly. I do always use my phone as a second recording device as well, but despite all of these efforts, this is the first episode where I did lose a tiny chunk of the conversation towards the end. So there will be a little gap that I will pop in and bridge, uh, but just be ready for that. I want to thank and make a huge shout out to any listener out there who's been here for the whole ride or at least through episode one. You may have noticed that uh, after being seen, we dropped the question and answer portion of the episode. This was not intentional so much as intuitive. Every conversation has been really fun and engaging and has gone on long. And so it felt better to just give the deep talk and leave it there. I do love to answer folks' questions and share advice of things that I have learned, so there may be a Q&A episode in the future, but for now, it's just the conversations. Despite its flaws, please enjoy this episode of Being Human with my friend, Noelle. Hey humans, welcome back to the Being Human podcast. It's Jenna here again with another super cool friend who I just couldn't wait to deep dive and have a convo with. So I will let her introduce herself to you, but it's my dear friend Noelle. Hello. Hello. My name is Noelle Obermeyer. She, her, hers. I am currently an assistant public defender. Ooh, yes. Um, so before I ask you that super annoying question that I ask everyone, actually, no, I'm going to ask you that first, and then we're going to get into your background a little bit and our theme for the day. But so I ask everyone, and everyone hates it, but it's cool because it'll just get your mind percolating. But what? How would you describe the human experience, or like what it is to be a human being? Hmm. In this world. That is a heavy question. Um, It is. I think we are an evolving species trying to make sense of this gift of life. Um, But I think maybe I'll, I'll just say my favorite part of the human experience is celebration. Ah, tell me more. Oh, I... Love celebrating. I love celebrating with my friends, my loved ones. I feel like just, especially, you know, our friendship really grew during COVID. And we were um, celebrating ourselves weekly with steak. And (laughs) we needed that. And so I just, I I think it's um, so good to be around each other and to celebrate each other in this process. Yeah. And when I hear that too, I hear um, community, right? And that's Mm -hmm. been a big thing, um, actually, in the last couple episodes, but like just in general in my life too, is like, oh recognizing how important that sense of community is and how hard it is to find in our modern world because it's no longer just like 
Like location based, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I live in Omaha, but it's like, oh, very specific people like you. Right. Right. In Omaha that I want to be like really my community, if you will. Right. It's. I think it's interesting that you say that too, because when we originally have just like thrown out pieces of the human experience, I, I think of places a lot more isolated and maybe um, groups of people that their celebration looks very different than mine. Like yeah. my celebrations with steak in my lovely home around the comforts of my pets, like somebody's celebration half the way across the world might look very, very different, but they're still having a celebration. Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, one of those like universal human mm-hmm. experiences that we can connect to. Yes, exactly. All right, but today, whew, we have a much raunchier theme than that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about politics. Um, and... I specifically wanted you for this theme because, A, you're just super smart, badass lady person in my life. But two, well, I think um, we're both people who, like, we like talking about politics. We're really engaged with that, too. But you so much more um, genuinely, like, in a professional capacity. So mm-hmm. tell us a little about your background in politics, and then we'll get into our little, like, basically bitch stuff about it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, my... My educational background is in political science and international studies, um, as any uh, good political nerd would do, right? Um, so I started off there, and I very much feel like everything else connects in in a weird way. Um, I was waiting tables uh, going to college, and I waited on a very prominent female that I did not know who it was at the time. And I chimed in on her political conversation. She was pretty impressed. She wrote down my name and number on a napkin. And the next thing you know, I was working for Chuck Hagel. Uh, That would have been back in 2008. And it was the last year that he was serving in the Senate. He wasn't going to run again. And it was a very important time, I think politically. And I, uh, very much was happy to work in that capacity. I ended up following on with Mike Johans, um, which was really weird because I didn't vote for him, but they gave me a job in his office. So I took it and I was able to help people, um, which I loved. And then I knew going into that job that I had already accepted um, to go to, I was already accepted to go to law school at Creighton and I planned to do that in the fall. So I took off, I went to Creighton, I went to law school and, um, Finished law school, worked for Bob Carey, so switching political parties, of course. Um, I don't, I shouldn't say that. I didn't switch political parties, but I hadn't ever worked professionally for a Democrat at that point. So I was working for Bob Carey. I eventually became a prosecutor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is always um, funny to say because people do not um, expect that, and nor was it something that really fits. So the next thing you know, I was back working in politics for Brad Ashford in his 2014 race. And then eventually Mm -hmm. I accepted a job with the public defender's office. But throughout the years, I have been pretty politically involved in local campaigns since 2006. And I had um, a really interesting first political um, campaign experience that we should chat about. And then um, Later, I would be the treasurer for a number of different campaigns, and that's kind of the thing that I'm still doing. I've, I've helped in fundraising capacities through the years, but um, I'm less involved now than, you know, I was in in the past. And it's it's good because I'm taking, you know, more 
um, more taking on more responsibility in my role as a public defender, taking on more clients, more serious crimes. And, and that truly is um, the job calling that I feel most connected to at this point in my life. Um, and it's still fun to do politics here in our community, but um, as you may know, uh, it is, it's rough out there. <laughs> yeah, it is rough. Um, in general, I think being a in the Midwest, I think being a Midwest Democrat, I think being a Democrat in general, too, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot, especially yeah. around here. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so all of those things. It's interesting, too, as you were talking, I was thinking my um, political awareness is, like, I think what happens a little bit more for other people in, like, I was so much more aware of, like, national shit and thinking, because I was unaware of the realities, I think, right, um, of that, like, local, obviously, is so much more important to be engaged and, like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, learning that through being disillusioned with, like, national politics and then, like, oh, God, why haven't my focus been here anyway, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you were naming certain names from early on. I was like, I don't know who that is because, <laughs> like, I was not engaged in that way. Also, I moved back from Kansas to Nebraska a little bit, so some of that made it. Right. But, yeah, I think it's, um, A, that's what I like about your political career and I've always sort of been like, oh, like, you know, like, just respected of you is that you have been so engaged in the local level. And I think that's just smart. And I think that's what we all need to be like in general. Yeah. Like if you're going to care about anything, maybe care a little bit more in your homegrown area. Right. But I think that's um, weirdly the thing that uh, people are kind of least engaged with, which is interesting. Um, I don't have a thought on why, but I think people, I don't know. It seems like they know more about national stuff on average than they do about their than local stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, we need both, right? We need the yeah. macro and the micro for sure. Um they both exist and they both affect us up and down. Um but it, you know, just politics um in in general, it is it's interesting. You're seeing you're seeing right now a real movement towards those like school board races, right? Like that's that's what yeah, that's very interesting. That's getting right. way yeah. Well, because also that's what's kind of scary. It's like because uh, that feels a lot GOP weird propaganda, the extremes in that party driven, mm-hmm. but because they are smart because they see it's a place of power that has been, I think, not neglected, but, right, like, less people paying attention. And so it's a bureaucracy that has sort of functioned mm-hmm. for a while, and they want to, like, come in and fuck it up real hard. Politicize it, yeah. yeah. It's actually really interesting. One of my first race that I worked on in 2006 was an uh, OPS school board race, and I had... I had a really good experience. That board has changed so much. So at the time, we were trying to unseat a um, elected female who was like the board president, and the average age of like the school board members was over seventy. Um, very very disconnected to what the classrooms looked like. And yeah. um, but since then, like they, you know, the upheaval has happened. Like there's been a lot of shake up since 2006 with our local scoreboard races but there's also a lot more money going into them like it's yeah bizarre well, these to me super PACs too right mm-hmm. that's what's so frustrating is you got all these weirdo super so there's like national super PACs that will come in and like fund our person so all of a sudden this rando extremist has a bunch of funding that the other locals don't but it's not even because it's coming from like local 
sources of support, which is also another like weird dynamic that's frustrating. Right. Absolutely. For, for sure. The, the super PACs are, they're terrifying. Um, but even like, I just something, I don't know if everybody knows, like, uh, the Omaha chamber has been putting a lot more money into school board races in the past 10 years, which is also kind of like, interesting you know like yeah. there, there's a what's what's the interest that is interesting because okay we're going to talk a little i told you about that call i was on with the queers a person from the omaha chamber was on that call ah because they're like you know an ally in the chamber wants to support our cause okay. so interesting i wonder okay. who they pumped money into okay. and if it aligns with this value <laughs> right you know right I mean? I mean i mean of course like i think we sh- you know i it's it's always interesting to look at who's um, donating, and I'm always fascinated by it. Um, but yeah, money money gets you things, right? Like oh, that's the cap- good. We, we talk about it all the time. Your capitalism <laughs> is our bitch, and we will always scapegoat her because it's true. But like, right? Right. In, it's like capitalism. That structure really fucking like plants a lot of um, gnarly seeds of like again just like making things very difficult to be like more of like a genuinely human needed way of cultivating community or having a government right right um because it then it yeah right then anyone with money can do it it's not about right the people and their values it's just about who can afford it Exactly. And that's what makes it, that's what makes democracy so interesting, right? Because like it, um, it's supposed to be free, but you know, it's, it's not, it involves a lot of money and, um, you know, it, it, it just, is that too, and this is me just not knowing, like, um, also is that very, like a little bit more inherently American, um, because do other countries have a little bit more regulation on a super PAC or like a, a regulation on the amount of money that's allowed to go into their political processes. And maybe they don't. I'm just wondering. I do know, for example, that in uh, certain other countries, they do things where you can't campaign for, like, more than eight months before the election or something. And so, therefore, in that way, you know, well, you're not spending money for two years putting out this stuff. But, yeah, maybe you have money and you can only... So, I wonder if the way that that, um, you know, just makes any difference between, like, how our politics are affected by the, like, capitalist side of it. It's a good More question. So <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know the answer. I've, um, I, I, maybe I did back in my undergraduate, but <laughs> I don't know that I could answer that today. I mean, certainly, certainly though, since then, too, we've also had, um... Well, the Supreme Court since then would have changed we had a little regulation on the amount of money and then they were like, just kidding. You just do whatever you want. Open the floodgates. I know. I'm, I'm hopeful that one day that will be overturned. Um, but here we are and yeah, the money is a flowing. And honestly it is, it seems to me like the, the money gates are, um, they lean towards the Republicans and, and the, uh, red influence, if you will. Well, I think that's because a lot of the people uh, putting, pumping money in in this way are all old white men, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, um, I think that, like, you know, because also wealth in this country, Mm -hmm. right, is going to probably lie in the hands of, like, you know, again, some version of an old white man who got it by owning other people at one point. (laughs) Right, true. And so, yeah, so, like, our old money and our wealth leans a little 
Like a little hard Republican still, if you will. <laughs> it sure does. Well, and I think the history books were rewritten in 2008 when Barack Obama ran. And, you know, the it was rewritten for a couple of reasons. But, like, all of a sudden you mm-hmm. realize that you could um, send an email and get $5. And that oh, when yeah. you do that nationally, that the $5 really adds up quickly. Um, and now it's, uh, I mean, now you just get way too many emails. You know, you donate one time and you get eight follow-up emails in 24 hours. Yeah. So um, it's it's also like, I, I wonder how, I wonder what the next thing's going to be with regard to money. Um, yeah. What that looks like because... We changed in 2008, and now people are also, like, super exhausted. And it, you, my te- my cell phone, I got so many damn texts. Yeah. I was so annoyed by people reaching out on my cell phone, especially, like, surveys, which, you know, is a necessity, I, I realize. But, like, I got really annoyed with people texting well, me. <laughs> me, it was the emails. I am still, because, like, the first Georgia runoff, I think I, like, donated and was, like, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So now this time around, I the Warnock campaign has been just firing them out. Like, and I'm like, right. okay, I don't right. live there. Not that right. I wouldn't support it, but like, okay. Like, also, I... That's so funny. One of my favorite, actually, this is a funny story. One of my favorite things that I've ever got to do on a campaign was um, I, I used to draft the campaign emails on a campaign that I did. And it was mm-hmm. for Congress. And so you could... Um, send out like three in a day was not uncommon and like we were being pushed to do that okay by the DN the DCCC and so um, but I got to cuss and it caused so much controversy (laughs) I think like the subject line was like what the hell and um, it raised a pretty decent amount of money and I was really proud of that but like um, there's some emails like don't cuss in the email and I was like well that's effective you know yeah yeah (laughs) right good money and it also you know, talk to people the way that you really talk to them. Like, don't just, it doesn't always have to be all dressed up and yeah. and tight and, um, you know, I don't know. That was that was one of my favorite things I've ever done, though. Yeah, and that's funny that you say that, and then, like, look where, like, Trump and, like, how people talk. Oh, my gosh, now, right? Like, oh, that's not a problem anymore, apparently. Right. <laughs> like, in a lot of ways. <laughs> that's a good point. That's pretty terrifying. Um... Not the same, but it's just funny. Yeah, people once gave a shit about things, and then that weirdly went away out of nowhere. Right, De- decorum is yeah. uh, dead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to talk a little about women who run for office? Yeah, I think um, we need more women to run for office. Uh, period. I think. Um, I think what has been really interesting in my political journey though is uh having been involved in politics I do enjoy like being behind the scenes and like pulling the strings I think it's a very powerful position to be in but there's no way in hell that I would put my name on the ballot and I think that that's interesting and I'll I still sit down with lots of politicos or you know people that are considering running for office and and I get asked that question quite a bit and I think oh no I wouldn't do that to save my life. And um, it's a lot about just like protecting myself, I think, yeah. because you just see, you see what happens to people when they do put themselves out there and it's terrifying. I, you know, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my best friend, like um, in the same, in the same vein, I want you 
to run for something if you want to run for it and I will be yeah. right there with you. But like also there is this like part of me that knows like what it takes out of people and um, you know, you're attacked, you know, a lot yeah. like, um, and, and that is exhausting. Yeah. No, it's like, did you, would you, was there ever a point in your life where you were like, oh yeah, that is something I would do? Or was it always like, oh, I like politics. And then you got in it and it was very like, oh, I'll support people. But Mm, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that I ever, um, in my, in my adult years wanted to run for office. I think like when I was younger and was like running for things like student council or something like that I really did think like oh I'll I'll put myself out there and I have a lot to add um but yeah no I think being involved (laughs) in the game makes you uh you know you love it or hate it um you know I'm I'm still dabbling but I would I would definitely say that um watching especially you know female friends that have run and are being picked apart for things that have nothing to do with like can you do the thing that you're running for like that's um that's really disheartening and you know obviously oh all you got to do is look at that hillary clinton race in 2016 and you go um people hate women like oh, you know misogyny <laughs> is strong yeah well it's funny like as you were talking about that i was like oh that's like weirdly connected to just like my personal journey in a way that's like I never thought about before but one just really quick going back I for sure yeah in early 20s Jenna super social worker Jenna was like very like oh clearly I'm needed here like I must run like because oh my god people are we just yeah my perspective is like very needed and I thought policy was a great way to like help Mm -hmm. the clientele that I served as a social worker um, and I don't know, I couldn't tell you, like, not one thing happened, I don't know, and it, but I know it was a quick transition from, like, that's something I should probably do, and to being, like, oh, like, kind of like you, oh, like, mm, that seems like it's probably not going to do a, what I think it is, and be, be worth the, the personal sacrifice that you would make. Right. To, like, go through that process. And then the thing that I was, like, oh, it's kind of weird, though, like, I could never, I wouldn't do it, I still wouldn't do it today, I wouldn't run because of the things you said. Like, you have to be out there, you have to be in the world. It's like fame. I would never want to be a fucking famous person either, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, because I think fame seems like a real not fun place to live, right? Right. Um, but because people are picking you apart, and it's like, oh, but that has also been, like, for me personally, my whole fucking life... As, like, I want to be who I am, but I'm worried the people in my, who I love mm-hmm. will reject that, will pick that apart. And feeling like I had to hide for lunch. And then finally coming to the place of, like, oh, yeah, fuck that. Mm-hmm. If they do, they do. And then just being myself and letting the cards fall where they may. And some people, right. like you, have loved and embraced me no matter what. And then, like, there's other people who I love. Uh, who it's hard for them and they do pick it apart and like that is the relationship we have now is because they like cannot for whatever reason um, allow themselves to uh, enjoy the authentic version of me mm-hmm. right um, so it's interesting in this like political capacity it's like yeah you have to like have a really thick skin of like I mean being the political person um, and like people are going to say whatever shit they're going to say mm-hmm. you just can't let that get to you and that takes a really strong person right right, to like really be able to navigate that space 
in a, a public figure setting, right? Right. It's scary enough in your interpersonal life, like let alone then the whole world or community or whatever gets to be a part of that. Right. It's. I mean, it's so interesting because people um, that do run for office, like you, you do have to have a little bit of an ego, and like yeah. I, I say, a little bit. But then you like, I just listed off a bunch of older white men that I have worked for and I can say that there's a lot of ego, right? Like there's, there's a ton of it involved with certain people. And, um, well, that's why I say it's the, if you want it to work out to you being a healthy person, it's actually the opposite. You have to learn that you to let go of your ego. Because the ego is the thing that protects us. So these white men, right, that's why they're so mm-hmm. fucking, inf- like, annoying. Because their ego that protects them is that I am deserving and worthy, right? That I, like, right. blah, blah, blah. And so therefore, yes, look at me. I should come out here. You all need me, right? And, like, the ego dying is, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing because it's important and it's valuable. And, like, whatever people say, it is not going to matter because I'm going right. to do the thing. Right. Uh, because I'm doing it and I don't need to do it because I don't need the recognition. <laughs> like, that's the ego. Like, of course the people oh, will vote sure. for me, right? Right, right. Like, and yeah, yeah, they will. Um, but also, like, you're probably going to be a douchebag because you're right. going to think that means something and you're not going to do the job because it's going to be more about what it did for you, right, and building the ego, continuing oh. to yeah, right, than it is about the work, right? Two words. Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Mitch yeah. McConnell, Margaret, like all these assholes, right, who mm-hmm. fell in line. It, it's, yeah, very proof in the pudding. This isn't about the work for you. Mm-hmm. This is about being the guy who got elected. Right, right. Yeah, I I think that um, I think that it's something that I, I still enjoy. Like, like I said, I like pulling the strings, and I think that that is, like, a great place of power, but, like, being that person out front... Um, Really, it's a, it's a different game. And, like, you also, as somebody that's, like, worked in this capacity, you learn, too, that, like, even if you're, like, advising this person, like, they're the they're the ones that get to make the final decision. Yeah. And, and that is also, um, that's a great reason that I am, have, you know, veered away from that work over the years. Like, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I've, I've had those experiences. But, like, I also don't know that I have the stomach to like yeah. do that forever. And um, I have plenty of friends that still work in politics um, and I enjoy like dishing with them and like catching up, but it, it really is a, a particular kind of um, lifestyle, uh, yeah. you know, that you got to live in and, and good for those that are doing it. You know? No, exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, I'm really happy that there are people who, for whatever reason or whatever capacity, whether it's their ego or them having an ego death that makes them strong, like, <laughs> that they can do that. Because exactly, because I can't, and I know someone's got to, right? Um, and best of luck to them. But like, I guess too, if I've learned anything just about like the human experience is that like at the end of the day, this is it. You only get your one and your one. And so like, yeah, like do what's going to make you joy, feel good, whatever. And at one point I would have thought maybe having a career in that way and then being able to impact a community would have been fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge part just for me personally is recognizing Oh, yeah, so much of my own fulfillment, honestly, will never come from, like, that, you know? Like, um, my fulfillment is so much more micro-oriented and comes from, like, the way that I engage 
with my people I love and trying to just protect that as much as I can. So I will vote, right, for my friends' rights. I will participate in politics because it matters, but uh, also it doesn't matter. I'm going to like live my life with my people. You know what I mean? It's right. like that weird double-edged place to live in a little bit. Yeah, I actually, so I, um, when I was going to law school, I, this kind of goes back to what you're talking about, about like, you know, making policy change and, and thinking that that was going to be a route that you would go down. When I went into law school, I thought I would work in policy. And I thought specifically, what a better way to get involved than to go work in the lobby in Nebraska's legislature. And it was so miserable for me. I mean, I had... In, incredible insomnia like before I'd leave to go down there every like Monday and Tuesday to the point that like I was pretty wrecked by Wednesday from not sleeping and I just I had um it, it's for somebody it's for somebody yeah. and and it was always interesting to me because you have you when you're in the lobby you have a client and one of the things that was really kind of painful to learn is like you know is this legislation like good for people like is this gonna like better the community and sometimes the answer was you know I don't really give two shits about what you think like it's whatever the client wants so like your client you you, you're at their mercy and like maybe maybe I also realized too that the things that I would want to lobby for were more like non-profit based like you know women and children and and that I, I learned when I was down in the lobby like especially if you're not writing checks and handing them out. Um, people don't really care what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Like people don't really care about women and children, <laughs> like in the oh, sense, you know, so like, yeah. and of course, like there's, there's Democrats that are like, you know, championing, championing those issues. Um, and they do care. I'm, I'm not saying that nobody cares, but I'm saying that they're um, less popular and it's, it is harder to get people um, to move behind that change. Um, because of the fact that there's no money attached. And I find that to just be like so disgusting that yeah. I, I couldn't hang out in that white man hell one more yeah. day. Like I was so glad to be done with it. And um, I had no idea that I'd ever want to be in a courtroom or a public defender. But um, I'm really lucky because I, I totally went to law school with a completely different premise. Yeah. And and I and I, um, I, I maybe I should have done a little bit more research. <laughs> into into that exact employment option before I went to law school. But um, here we are. I don't know. I guess well, it's yeah, worked out. You, you, know? live, you live, you learn, you don't know. <laughs> exactly. Because, like, so to that point, of course, what is every social worker's, like, glorified, like, this is, I'm going to work for Child Protective Services, right? Yes. Right. This is the work. This is what we do. We go in. And I worked for Child Protective Services. And it was a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. No. Yeah, right. kind of similar to you. It's like, oh, Right. Well, I learned a lot, and I will never go back. And yeah, right. <laughs> but oh. um, okay. But I want to talk to yeah a little bit because also the inspiration for this conversation is we shared a lovely moment after. Um, let me just plug Hue Spring, a lovely local organization called Hue Spring that is trying to cultivate collective LGBTQ power within the community. So it's trying to help us queers, A, get together, learn about each other, network, you know, gather resources for our own personal and professional growth and ideas, but also like, okay, then how do we work together to just, yeah, help our community within Omaha. 
Um, so every year there's a super fun launch party with a great guest speaker and dancing because the queers know how to party. Uh, and I brought my lovely friends with me and we shared a lovely moment afterwards if you would like to share that with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a real aha moment um, is surrounding my own political thoughts and kind of um, the way that I had consulted in the past. And it was around um, this idea that, of course, you know, we've we've really made good movement in getting more women to run in getting more LGBTQ plus people to run. Mm-hmm. And and while that's great, we like need tenfold more. Right. So th- there's always room for growth and improvement. And I had thought about how my first campaign in 2006 was for a gay man and how, you know, I had worked with a number of members of the community on their races, um, over the years. And then when it came to one very specific identity, which was, um, which was not, not even a campaign that I was involved in. Um, but as a person that had identified as bisexual and I told you, you know, I, I realized that I was thinking like, why in the hell would you do that (laughs) to yourself? Like why would, and, and because for so many people, it, it starts the questions and, and number one, it's personal questions that nobody should ever have to answer, um, about, you know, your preferences or, um, you know, if you're, by chance, maybe married to a male, but also involved in relationships with females or other males or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, why in the hell would you have to disclose that? Um, or if you wanted to, why should you be stopped? You know, and I, I realized that at one point in my career, I had, I had advised somebody like, I, I don't know that I would do that. Yeah. And like, don't be open about it necessarily. Yeah. Don't. Or, you know, um, it's it it's not a thing and of course it's not a thing that I was ever judging on it, but it's it was this bigger part of like if the campaign has this identity attached to it, that people are gonna target you. Mm-hmm. And that you're going to lose support or lose um, I guess focus on what you're trying to achieve, which is to be elected to, you know, say something like the school board and like you're trying to make effect change and and then I realized, like, oh, man, I have – that's that's not fair. And and one of my dearest friends identifies as bisexual. And if my dear friend wanted to run for anything, I would be there. And I would be, like, number one, you know, knocking doors and in the parades and doing the stuff. Like, why in the hell have I, you know, looked at other people that have run before and kind of judged their campaign for – identifying themselves like what is that and and I really like sat with it for a while and I felt um I felt this like interesting movement between like what people are going to be advised to do and like what is sound advice for like a campaign versus like a person and like your own identity like you should never have to hide your identity and just because just because I know that the road might be more tough because you're exposing yourself which of course we all know that 
there are always going to be grenades thrown at you. Um, you know, in order to affect any change, we need more people to do that then. Right. And that's, and that's the fucking goal. And the goal is to move the needle. And I, I just realized like, and I very much am like, Oh, that's some, that's some bad heteronormative, like thought going on there. Noel. like we need to examine that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I am, I'm not sure where that goes from here. You know, like I'm, I've been really thinking about like, beyond just being more supportive and a better ally um what is it that I'm going to do to continue to move that needle because I I realize that I've got some work to do there yeah and I really appreciate you being able to like own that and like take accountability of that and like outwardly you could have just owned this inside and be like oh I figured this out I should like fucking do something it was really nice for me as your super gay friend to just have you like share that with me um, so one, thank you. And thank you for doing it on my podcast. But two, right, I think also, so we were discussing that because I think it really, for me, it hit it kind of just like as the gay person living in the world of like, um, to our conversation, I think the way you framed it with like, what's more important, the legislation or like the passing of the thing, right? That, that mm-hmm. win, whether it's mm-hmm. winning a campaign, winning mm-hmm. through the legislature, right? Or the community as a collective, like queer community, if you will, LGBT community, being sort of the front face of, say, that bill or in this campaign. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the in politics, that is something to consider, right, as you're strategizing how to move things forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what your epiphany is too, right? At one point, for whatever reasons, a lot of heteronormativity being one, but, like, right, it's like, ah, it feels and seems, and even maybe, like, with whatever stats and polls, ah, this is a very viable political strategy, right, to go in one direction. Mm -hmm. But I think that is, like, to the heart of what your epiphany is. I think we often miss out in those moments of, like, um, yes, it might be a viable political strategy, but what effect does it have, A, like you said, on this one person, say if it's a campaign and you're running and you're going to hide that part of yourself, um, like, and then the damage to that person, how it affects their ability, or whatever, right? But to my point with you was like, and also like the community can just keep erasing us or keep calling us groomers and pedophiles because like, quote unquote, they don't see us anywhere. And if us not being visible, like which one's more damaging or more progressive? Is it like getting the bill passed and being in the background? Is it like being more visible even if you lose? Mm -hmm. And we kind of talk. I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I think it's just really interesting stuff to discuss, especially in like, um, for you with this epiphany is like, um, I think it's, uh, hard for people who aren't of a more marginalized group, even though like we just have misogyny is huge, but women, especially mm-hmm. us white women, I don't know. We have like a Teflon for that in a way I think that is like good, but also not helpful. Right. Um, but, and I think only because I am a queer, do I have any outside perspective of the, like, being a white woman. I'm a very white woman. I will own that. And we can talk about all different ways I have learned of, like, oh, God, your privilege is showing it. It's gross. Right. Um, but I think for me, that's where, like, sometimes it's like, ah, like, the queer identity is where I really see and have an experience being in a marginalized person and a group of a community and then especially because we live in the midwest in a really red area mm-hmm. um so i think that's why for me i'm like oh my god guys know it's like all about vi- visibility like that seems to me the pathway right? right as opposed to though um you wouldn't have experience making that pathway feel important to you right because you don't have experience of like 
you don't know what it's like to like not be visible. Like, cause women, we are. If it's a feminist cause, right? We're there. There's no question of that. Right. So it's not even. I think maybe a strategy so much that has to be implored, like for women in misogyny, where it's like a weird thing that is like. I'm only aware of it. Like, that was the epiphany I had with you that night where I was like, I was like, oh, duh, Jenna. You only, like, you are gay, first of all, and you're in these gay spaces because you're gay. And, like, but you were also, I lived in hetero space. So I know your hetero spaces really well because I existed in them for so long. Well, you don't know gay spaces because you aren't gay, and so you don't go. And, and so if I'm not bringing you into those spaces with me, you're not having these experiences. To, oh, my God. And so I was like, oh, shit, Jenna, you need to, like, that was my epiphany that I did not share. I need to start getting my heteros in all of my gay spaces more often. Like, <laughs> right. my bad. Right. Like, uh... Well, there's... So, it's interesting. You you make me think of a number of things. And, well, number one, I, I think that this idea of, like, hiding is is terrifying to me personally. Um, and and I, I actually have this, like, quote written down in... Um, my phone, I'm going to pull it up. Uh, it's something that has has just resonated with me for a really long time about, like, myself. And that is, um, given how long it's taken me to reconcile my nature, I can't, I can't, uh, figured I'd forgo it on your account. And that is something that, um, like, took me a really long time to, like, live. And, and, and I am more and more myself every single day and like owning that skin. But it, it is so important that I'm like, okay, you're white woman privileged as fuck. Like, holy shit, let's pull ourselves out and like be sitting in that space for other people. Yeah. And, and especially in, in this particular topic, which I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert. I am not a political strategist or consultant, um, a consultant that is like running campaigns. I'm a, I'm a bystander who's had a lot of experience doing some of the things, but not all of the things. Yeah. Um, but we, we talked about this too, you know, like you were like, you can, some things there's like a lot of polling about like, you know, will people be supportive of this or that? Well, that might not be the only consideration. And, I agree, but um, I guess in just in order to be devil's advocate and to like make a point about something not in this particular space, but some, something else, like um, Nebraska loves their guns, right? Like yeah. in a way that's like scary off the charts. But when you pull that issue, it's so supported that like I, I get um, a lot of people that are like, uh, write me in for attorney general. <laughs> and I always think it's really funny. I might be like their only lawyer friend. Um, but like, I, I think about like, could somebody run in Nebraska who's anti-gun for attorney general? And like, the answer is no. And like, that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be somebody that does it. Yeah. I'm just saying that like, it's a super uphill battle. And so when we talk about that question about like, you know, do, is, is the, is if I'm, if I'm running or if I'm part of a group, you know, the group has to decide is what's our goal. And, and, and you were saying like, I think earlier that you've got, um, you've got a particular situation that you're in that it's like, it's the, I think it's, um, being true to ourselves. Like, you know, the, the group is more important than maybe passing the bill yeah. at this point. And, and that is always though a conversation piece that each person either needs to have with 
themselves or a group needs to have as they're like participating, um, be it in an endorsement or legislation, like whatever it is, um, because it's rough out there. And I wish that that wasn't the answer, but like, it's, it's really tough to be involved in politics and your outcomes, um, are, is sometimes glorious, but like living in this state is pretty fucking miserable right now. And so like, you know, you got to take those small wins and, um, and maybe, uh, maybe that just, it just depends, um, on what you're trying to achieve and who you're trying to achieve it with. So, yeah. And I think as you were talking about that, what was coming to my mind is like, yeah, it's like the thing that people say a lot of, um, I mean, when Trump was like, there was like, we're moving to Canada, we're all this, we're all that. And then the, the kind of response is like, you know, don't move away. You got to like stick around, like make change. Right. Mm-hmm. And I waffle on that a lot because, um, kind of this stuff that we're talking about, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like a weird, it's like, but is change possible then? You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. to the point of, I agree with you. Like, oh, would someone who's anti-gun win that? Probably not, but it's like, yeah, so at what point then am I sticking around here just to live in this community that's pretty entrenched in, like, this is what this community is about? And so should I, as someone who is not, um, I'm on the fringes of community. And I think that, too, to just own, that is also a lot of my, as anyone, but my, this conversation is coming from my personal traumas all relate around the rejection of my authentic self and having to overcome that um, and live anyway so that I just am not a miserable person, right? I mean, figuring out what I need to do that so that I can, like, thrive as a human person. So I think a lot of my, then, reasons for being like, oh, this is more, like, visibility is more important, right, come from this very personal place of mine, right? Not like a, no, yeah, exactly, I have no political background, like, knowing what's best. So I just want to, like, verbalize, like, when I, I, Louise often tells me, and I think this is part of my white woman audacity and privilege, that I speak about things as if they are facts when they are my opinions. <laughs> and so talking to me can be difficult because I'm very, like, this is a thing. So I just want to, like, vocalize. I'm very aware, like, I'm not talking from a place of, like, that I have knowledge or background. But, like, it's just, like, yes, this is how I'm, like, experiencing the world. And therefore, it's, like, how it's contributing to, like, okay, my thoughts on maybe, like, yeah, politics. How do we do that? And I think that's the struggle for me is I do, I've always stuck around. I've lived in the Midwest my whole life. I have worked in very conservative spaces and I have always been the fringe. I have always been um, just uh, one, a woman, two, a queer woman, two, a um, polyamorous, whatever. But like, uh, and also like visibly, whether it's the blue hair, the tattoos, whatever, different. And you know what, honestly, I've thrived in that space. I kind of love being a fringe, but also because like whatever I'm projecting in this very Midwest, people like it because the weird thing I've always experienced is like even the more out there I get with like, this is Jada and here she is and you accept her. They like, people like do and almost weirdly don't notice things. Mm -hmm. Examples. For a very long time, my nose rings shocked everyone. People that I work with, it'd be like, oh my God, did you get that done? I have had it done since I was 18. I am 30. You know, it's like, you've worked with me for five years. You know, it's like weird stuff where people will like, something will happen and they will randomly start noticing me better. 
Interesting. But like the whatever I'm projecting, right? I'm so uh, integrated into Midwest culture. It's like, oh, they're cool with me, even though I am kind of the liberal weirdo. Like, they're I'm the one they can tolerate. Um, until they can't. Like George Floyd that summer was like the ending of my career in Papio schools because like um, they would no longer tolerate people like me, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, like, when is it that, like, I stick around and it changes, or do I move? You know, not that I would move. But, you know, I think it's, like, a weird anomaly of, like, okay, so, yeah, what is, like, how do we progress our communities mm-hmm. so that, like, people can feel more like they live in a community as opposed to um, it being political all of the time? I mean, like, right, politics is one way, but... Right. Then we just are politicizing also just the ability to have community with people. That's fair. I I think that's... I I don't know that there's an answer. Oh, I yeah. mean, right? There's... I think that um, that feeling, though, of, like, just wanting to run or hide or go somewhere where you're just accepted, it's like... Yeah. You know, I, I do think that that is a conversation that I've totally had with myself for so many years now because I'm I'm thinking, like... You know, I I could go elsewhere, um, but I'm I'm seemingly here still. And do I think that I'm even affecting change? And you know, there are so many moments, and I I definitely know that having just lived through um, the summer of row ending, that it's you you can feel it shift too, yeah. and like it shifts in the wrong direction. But had that not happened, our November election results would be so damn different and so it's like is it did the needle need to move in that direction no it didn't actually at all that's for damn sure but I do I do think that um I I do think that there is a counteraction and like when you do have faith in like moving the needle in a very like small way is is still worth it Right. And, yeah. and so you really do have to like love that small win. Um, and as you were talking, it kind of the light bulb went off and I forgot. Um, I want to mention that our Hugh spring event, one of the things I think that, um, that like, tr- you know, triggered our entire conversation was that the guest speaker was talking about like, um, just heterosexual people in general. And was like, they're not heterosexual. Like, and it was, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, yeah, I mean, like, I totally have, I and I've always been able to identify that, like, yes, I'm a heterosexual woman, but, like, it was, I think you were, like, you know, everybody's made out with their college roommate or something like that. It was just, yeah, some, yeah. you know, and you're just, like, you're you're less hetero than you are maybe, sub, you're, I don't know if it was that we said that you were subscribing to or that, like, you're identifying with, but, like, everybody was everybody's gay and like that was kind of our conversation I was just like oh my gosh and and if that is really how I believe and how I feel then how in the hell could I go down this line of wanting more conformity for conformity's sake yeah right like to just like not move the needle in these directions and I I definitely um you know, I, I, I say that and then I also go like, okay, but 
the if we're gonna wait for the needle to move at all in in Omaha, like it might have to be like ten times longer than it is anywhere else, and then and then you're like, yeah. and why? Then why are we staying? So yeah, no, I, I don't it's, know. It's We've come lot. full circle to not having an answer to that no, question. No, yeah, I don't think, that's what is so great about these combos. It's like not necessarily looking for answers, but it's just like cool to like. Um, think about and understand like ourselves and our communities better through like conversation because even like as you were talking about that it was like um uh oh the everybody's queer thing yeah right because it's like uh so heterosexuality like is the construct right and Mm -hmm. so though because we've been conforming to the kind of like gender binary, conforming to the construct. Like we see the toxicity and the unhealthiness of that as like with humans, like us as a species and then how we collectively live, Mm -hmm. right? Because so one, how is heterosexuality the construct? Well, one, it was created by white supremacists, right? The gender binary and all that come directly linked to like white supremacy in the way in which they wanted to eradicate cultures, right? And so what's a great way to eradicate, say, indigenous cultures that don't have gender and gender binaries is creating them and saying they're superior. And so, ah, you are savages because you live this way and you don't live this way, right. which is proper. So we're going to do what we can to get you into that. And now here we all, all these moons later, where people don't get that gender is not a vagina and a penis and a dress and pants like you know right wild because there's a whole hundreds of thousands of years of human history that you can read about to like discover like how gender has like changed over time but okay i so to me it's like also this weird um how much of this growth of us as a species are we stunting and not just with politics but in the various ways that we conform this is just an example we're talking about specific with, like, political shit that has gone on, right? Right. Conforming to these things. But, like, to me as a mental health professional and just a person, right, also it's like exactly, like, why don't people understand their sexuality? Because they've been told it's, like, this or it's that when it's, like, a multitude of things. Intellectual, emotional, physical, attraction. You can be emotionally attracted to another woman, doesn't mean you ever want to fuck that woman. It doesn't mean you want to marry that woman. But, like, right? That is an attraction you might have. We all do because we're all female friends. At least you and I, right? Right. Uh, and men. Again, men. This is the problem with poor dudes. Poor dudes aren't talking about anything because they don't recognize you can have an emotional attachment or attraction to another man. It's called friendship, guys. And they just talk to them about your feelings and it's great. But because that's gay now you know like it's like oh my and so you have all these dysfunctional people who are sad and unhappy and don't know who they are and you know why i firmly believe all homophobia and transphobia is is seeing someone else doing and having what you desperately want but clinging to the conformity instead of letting yourself free from it. And so, fuck you, I gotta murder trans people because I can't have them out here living the way that they want to, doing what they want, not playing by the rules and wearing the dress or the pants or the da da da, right? Right. And so it's just like this really unfortunate, sad shit that gets projected out. As opposed to, guys, you can just do whatever you want. Like, you can't just right. wear whatever you want. Like, you can call yourself whatever you want. Like, there's, like, no rules. Right. 
Uh, and so it's like with politics, it's like what's yeah, what's more important? Is it to like um, progress the psyche of the species? Is it like uh, to just get some legal bearings around that could potentially affect the culture to project that? You know, I know there again, there's no right or wrong, there's no like pathway, but it's just fascinating in our elder age of 40s, you know, looking back on what you thought politics or what you thought and then really experiencing it. And it's like so interesting to me now because it's like, I don't know. I'm talking about this solely because I don't have answers. And I think it's worth contemplating. And I think um, we're going to see it like a lot of shit change too with this young generation because they already know fuck you. I don't want to work and labor for nada. Right? They, right? These younger, they're already like, oh, no, I'm trans and fuck you. Like, that's why we have more, quote, unquote, trans children. It's just because we're doing something, right? If people right. feel they can attach to that part of themselves younger and younger. Mm-hmm. It's just I can't figure out what we're doing because it just feels like so backwards overall in the way we view whether it be race or this, right? Right. But there's something going right because otherwise you wouldn't have as many trans children recognizing or queer even children coming out and being able to verbalize that earlier in life. Absolutely. I think that you and I, when before we were doing our pre-chat and we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, like ultimately you have to change hearts and minds to to really affect change in the community and is that just like electing like one person no i mean it's it's um or you know even um even like changing a law like we really it's it needs to be in a way that's um that's we need to change in a way that is so much more and so much deeper and Mm -hmm. ingrained and i I think that that's one of the that's one of the things I say when I um, I love that connectedness and actually um, I kind of forgot that one of the things I did in my political career um, well this isn't exactly a political career but uh, it, along the way I felt that I wanted to move and I didn't want to be here and that meant we needed more change and so I helped establish the new leaders council of Omaha. And the idea was to train progressive leaders to affect change in their communities. And that would mean anything from like putting your name on the ballot, like Tony Vargas just did, um, who was one of the founding members as well, or being on the school board um, or uh, school board. uh, I meant uh, library board, right? Like that's not even an elected position, but like right now libraries are under attack, right? So we need like, we need our progressives to be there. Um, to really support these systems. And so we can do it in so many different ways. It doesn't just need to be political, although yeah. we all need we all need to be voting and yeah. oh, need yeah. to be doing the things, participating. Yeah. But, like, there's more ways. And I, I think that that um, has been really exciting for me because I've, I've just met so many amazing change makers in that space and um, got connected to other, like, amazing progressive movements through it. Um, so I think... That also, when we were talking just a minute ago, you were you were mentioning um, changing hearts and minds and, and like trans kids having more space to uh, be able to identify themselves at younger ages. And I 
read about this book and I know that we talked about it on your birthday. I'm not sure if I've talked with you about it, but the book is called Sex is a Funny Word. Oh, and yeah, yeah, just, you did tell me about that. And I love, I, I have so just I been like it, so, actually. I've been so um, fascinated by this idea that like, yes, for so long we have talked about gender, we've talked about sex, and it equals babies as opposed to like, um, no, we're exposed to sex all the time. Children are exposed to sex all the time. And we need to stop talking about it as if it's just a penis and a vagina. And so there's this fantastic uh, non-binary author who came up with this book and it's just, you know, of a new age and like how damn exciting that like I I don't know I just get so excited when I think like that is the kind of thing that's gonna like change the way that our children are thinking changing the way that we're having conversations um with our next generations and I I don't know I I love um as much as I love politics, I love I love a good movement of hearts and minds. Yeah, that's why I think, too. Um, I always want politics to be able to move hearts and minds, I think, more, right? Like, because it's, like... But, like, and it, that's not necessarily politics' purpose, right? So it's, like, an unfair expectation to put on that process because politics is about legislating. Like, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's more about those legal protective guardrails and having people who are willing to, like, fight and put that shit in place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like, hearts and minds shit has to come from, like, a, like a book, like, literature, you know, this podcast, hopefully, like, right? Right. Like, from content, from exposure, from even, like you said, um, being able to be in community, hopefully celebrating with people at some point in some way that are also very different from you, right? So that you're right. sharing a celebration... With many different kinds of humans, and right, um, and that's where like our hearts and minds will get changed, but. right? Or even like you know sharing you know your aha moment, yeah, and, like, yeah, exactly. Like, or just and, taking your friend and you're like cool gay event, and they're like, oh my god, yes, inspiration, go get done, right? Yes. Yeah, no, totally, and and I think that's um too. It's what's hard is like um for me um. It's funny because I haven't been in gay spaces, right? Um, And so I know how important it is to me. It's like, oh, all I'm doing right now is like, how can I be surrounded by more gay people? Um, And so that's why it's like, oh, yeah, you guys aren't ever in either. And it's just as important for you. Like, yes, I need it for, like, all these community reasons. But for you guys also, like, so, again, so we're all just intermingling a little more. Like, you see, it's like oh, you just hear a perspective from someone who's lived, a, a trans woman in San uh, San Francisco, a totally different life than we've lived, right? Um, and just like a little nugget from like hearing them talk. Hey humans, welcome to The Gap. So I was editing this and trying to remember and recall if I could see what was going on in this portion of the conversation that is missed. And obviously I don't remember all the details, but as we were talking about how Noelle's heart and mind was shifted and changed from her experience hearing from the Hughes Springs speaker, we kind of then went into talking about how do you help when you're in a one-on-one, engage when you can, but then also rise. Sometimes we don't have it in us to challenge um, another person gently uh, with maybe some interrogating their beliefs that we might feel are harmful to ourselves or those we love, but that's 
is a delicate balance when you're in a more one-on-one or talking to like say someone that you have a more intimate personal relationship with and just kind of talking again no easy answer no right answer it's hard but also we both personally feel very worthwhile to just try and engage other humans when you know we feel up for it and the opportunity arises but also trying to come from a place of like not forcing your own beliefs on someone uh, rather just engaging with them in a constructive conversation much hopefully like some of these podcast episodes have been Um, So that was a little bit, hopefully when you hear it with this bridge in between, there's a through line till the end where you're almost at and that you still enjoy. But. And also, I'm not changing my mind. Like you're, you know, I've, I have um, a good friend who's an anti-vaxxer and I, well, I guess I have a few. I, I don't know. You're just like, we're not going to change my mind on this. You know, like, so the not um, not engaging and, like, protecting your peace um, is important. Um, but then also knowing that, like, I I try to engage people to change their minds all the time. And, you know, if they, if they don't want that, they can tell me no. But also, um, I'm still putting myself out there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I have to. That's my authentic self. And... And I'm not hiding from anybody. Yeah. Like, I, it's taken me a really long time to reconcile with myself. And I'm not about to forgo that for you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, the older I get, the easier it is to not give a fuck. Which I love about aging, quite honestly. It's like, oh, yeah. Sacrifice myself or do a thing to make you comfortable or just be me. Mm-hmm. I'll be me. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to choose me every <laughs> time, babe. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, okay. I think that's a lovely place to sort of, like, wind down and wrap up because, as we've seen, we could talk all day and go in circles. And there's, like, because there is no, like, ultimate answer, you know. I think what I'm hearing from us, too, which is, like, way more important and valuable is really just, like, figuring out your answer, right? So, like you just said, it's, like, I'm going to still try. I'm going to still engage with people. I'm going to still vote. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. And this is how I'm going to try to navigate making the impact, making the change, you know, creating uh, effect in the community. Mm-hmm. And same for me, it's like right now, and that can ebb and flow, but right now for me and for a while it's been, oh, no, I I, uh, I will vote and I will be more engaged locally so I know who and what's going on and, and I will focus way more on just like be, yeah, being me and existing and hopefully that's like changing some hearts and minds out there. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess I if I had to like wind down on some thoughts, one of the things that I think is most important and you hit the nail on the head about being involved locally, it's that, um, when we go and vote, we can't just vote for president. We can't just vote for Congress. You need to vote all the way down the list. And, um, honestly, some of the places that I think we're being attacked the most is down ballot. And so if you're not voting for the school board, school board race, I think, um, it's an injustice. Like we need to, be educated all the way down the ballot. Um, also, if you have the capacity to get out there and volunteer, you should. Um, you should remain engaged in some way, shape, or form as these um, people are trying to affect change in our community. And then, you know, finally, um, as as I've hopefully demonstrated here with you today, like I think it's also really important to continually um, challenge what is the status quo politically or um what the 
normative thinking is in, in order to um, better support our friends and our community members. Um, I think that, um, you know, we've, we've talked ad nauseum now that politics is mainly old white men and, and, and has been for some time. And while it's changing, it can't change fast enough. Yeah, actually man. you um, think we're gonna have a mass exodus with these boomer assholes like McConnell like are they they're all someone has to die like how are they all so have such longevity right Jesus fucking Christ man the universe can't help without just some like natural death happening right I know <laughs> can't you just eliminate some of these people that would be really great but I do feel like right well, you know I read something and then we will wrap up for real but uh what was it they said oh I can't remember who was the Atlantic or who, what publication, but something about um, it, 2008, that era of the recession, right, obviously led to a lot of people who would have been making babies at that time being like, this is a bad idea, I cannot afford it. So being much more um, thoughtful about their reproductive decisions. So they were saying, oh no, colleges are going to be so fucked here in a minute because they're about to have this huge decline in enrollment because of the decline in like the birth rate of like kids who are coming up or whatever. Um, and I just like things like that. It's just like such interesting framing of like, I don't know, like the, what was the birth rate when colleges got started? You know, like. Are colleges really, is this really a problem? Is this really a thing that's going right. to be bad in any way other than, like, some of them in a capitalistic way might not survive yet? Because capitalism does that to people. But it was, like, this weird trying to, like, make a point of that being some sort of, like, big thing we as a species of humans need to, like, look at and consider. And, like, and then it's, like, is it, though? Like, right. is it a big deal? Like, right. What is it? But also, how will that affect politics, right? I don't know, with, like, voting and the change of, like, who, uh, how many people will be of voting age versus hopefully how some of these will eventually die. Like, I wonder if we'll see a shift just for, like, population reasons that will, like, be a bit dramatic. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, again, I, there's a large population of people that would disagree with most of what you and I stand for and um, their numbers they are alive and well and you know they're they I, I don't know I think they're actually worse places to live right like I'm oh thinking, for sure I'm of places Arkansas. like mm-hmm. Ohio mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but even having like Wyoming Liz Cheney right like she can speak out and not lose her seat but here here we are and I think um, I I I think that no, we we have so much work to do. We have to, yeah. we have so much work to do. There's so much more politicking, um, and some days we can be more involved than others. Um, sometimes you got to take a break. Um, you know, maybe you have to move states. I don't know what yeah. you got to protect yourself, but um, for sure, um, it's something that we we need to do, and um, we're making progress, Jenna. Slowly but surely. <laughs> Yeah, right. No, no. We we are. We are. It's just, yeah, sometimes being in it is um, just, it's just hard to tolerate the, the, slow, the snail's pace, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Totally. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me about politics and life and community and yes. the Midwest. Absolutely. Any final thoughts to say oh. goodbye with? 
Well, thank you for this space. I very much have enjoyed this conversation. I hope other people enjoy it too. And um, you are certainly moving the needle uh, by having conversations with people and challenging them and being so brave as to share. I, I think that this is really awesome that you've created this um, for yourself. And I love you. I want. I love you too, boo. I want more people to be exposed to my friend Jenna. Oh, so, thanks. Thank well, you. you're gonna go send this around your office when it comes published. We know. <laughs> okay. Please, we'll get some new viewers there. Right? <laughs> yep. There we go. <laughs> All right, bye, friend. Love you. Woo! Excellent. Ah, oh, fuck.